Previously on Murder at Land Between the Lakes. Around 3.30 p.m., they decided they were going to walk to the local convenience store to buy some snacks. Once they arrived at the furnace store, sources say they purchased some soda and candy, and then they left. Um, when they left, somebody saw them um, being approached by a blue truck that had actually turned around on the highway um, and went towards the girls. And so it was noted that the girls went to talk to the person in the truck. No one saw the girls get in the truck, but no one ever saw the girls alive again. true story and contains graphic details of a violent crime. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome back to Murder at Land Between the Lakes. I'm Lainey. And I'm Amelia. If you are just joining us, this is episode two of a story about two teenage sisters that were murdered in 1980. To this day, their killer or killers have not been brought to justice, or at least not for this crime. If you haven't listened from the beginning, you might want to hop back over to episode one to understand a little more about the case from the start. So Amelia, it's great to be back and start our next episode. Now that we have the voice message button added on the podcast site, listeners can call in and ask questions or leave an anonymous tip. That being said, let's answer one of the questions that we had come up. Hi, Lainey and Amelia. This is Sonia calling in from New Jersey. I just finished listening to episode one of your podcast and um, thoroughly enjoyed it, but I had a question. Could you tell me why youth services were called to their house that next day? Okay, thanks so much. Look forward to hearing the next uh, installment. Thanks again. Bye. Thank you, Sonia from New Jersey. We chose your question because it's actually a question that we had ourselves. And after asking the family, the answer is still a little unclear but it seems as though maybe one of the girls' teachers had reporting them missing from school. Apparently they had been missing school more than usual, and after missing two days in a row, a youth services officer showed up at the home to see why. This prompted Mrs. Stout to call the authorities to report them missing for the second time. So Lainey, do you remember in the first episode, you yourself asked that very question about why Margie didn't report them missing on the 17th? the day they actually went missing? Yes, I noticed on the report that it shows that they called on the 18th, but there's no documentation of them calling on the 17th. Well, so as it turns out, she actually did. Um, According to the family, Margie reported the girls missing to Sheriff David Hicks on the evening of September 17th. Well, that definitely makes more sense, but was it not documented? Not to my knowledge. Um, However, the family clearly remembers what the sheriff said to their mom. Um, he said, and this is what they claim, they said, what they remember very clearly, him saying, he said, they are probably just out running around. When I find them, I'm going to kick their butts. Hmm. 
That's interesting. <laughs> Were the girls known for leaving home for extended amounts of time or just running around, running about town? No, that's also just it. Their older sister, Trish, um, says that they would have never left home without telling someone. Like, for instance, like the day in question, um, when they went to go to the, they left to go to the convenience store, they told their mom and their older brother, Roger, that that's where they were headed. And Roger actually asked them to pick up a pack of cigarettes for him. So he was waiting for them to return. And when they didn't, as an older brother would do, he kept checking on them and he kept looking out the door and looking up the road to see if they were on their way back. And he, you know, obviously never saw them come back. Roger, unfortunately, is no longer with us. He passed away not too long ago, but he was there that day. And from his account, the girls were on the phone with someone earlier before they left. He doesn't know who they were talking to, but they had missed school. So the likelihood of them talking to somebody whose school age is slim, unless that person had missed school too. Amelia, let's start from the beginning one more time. From what we know, the girls missed the bus and stayed home from school that day. Then what happened? What happened next is still only hearsay, but from what we've gathered is that their older brother, Randy Stout, and Vicky's boyfriend, Randall Riggins, were scheduled to turn themselves in that morning to the courthouse on marijuana charges. They were due in court that day. Randall came to the house to pick up Randy and to say goodbye to Vicky. I spoke with Randall's sister, Leslie, who has heard firsthand from Randall what happened that morning. Listen in as she tells us in her own words. Um, so thanks for talking to me, and I thought I'd give you the opportunity to like tell me if you don't mind telling me a little bit about yourself and about your brother and like what um, what you can tell me. Okay, um, we grew up in Dover, where the girls were, Stewart County. Um, my brother was dating Vicky at the time, and your brother and is Randall. We mm-hmm. called him Ricky, so if I say Ricky. I am referring to Randall, but mm-hmm. our family, his nickname was Ricky. So um, I was the same age as um, Carla, uh, but I was in the other school, in eighth grade at the other school mm-hmm. in our county. So I was sort of in the dark on it because I was young, and um so, but I knew that it had happened, and the picture of Vicky was in our house for, you know, as long as I could remember from the time he started dating her until he moved out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I always knew that she had been murdered, but, you know, I didn't know anything about it, really. So, that's um, that's it, you know, and I'm, I live in Nashville now, and or in White House, right outside Nashville. And um, I don't see Randall much. Um, I told you a little bit in the in our message yesterday about his challenges that he's dealing with. Um, and I don't know if you want to hear if you want me to tell you that again or not. If you, I mean, if you're comfortable with that, I mean, if if you feel like you know some of his challenges stemmed from what happened. And in fact, I do. I mean, there are, because in you know at that time. We didn't talk openly about our feelings or, you know, the the tragedy that was. And now that I think back, you know, because I was so, I was young, you know, I didn't think anything about it really, you know. Yeah. And, um, but I think about it now and I think how 
alone and hard it must have been for him um, to lose his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm so sorry to hear about, you know, all the struggles he's gone through and, you know, everything, you know, you and your family have gone through and what he's going through now. Um, I do want to ask you um, a couple of things. Do you think, you know, that he was involved in drugs before at all or no? Yes. I, and I can, I'll tell you the story. Uh, okay. On the day the girls went missing, mm-hmm. Randall and Randy, the girl's brother. Mm-hmm. Randy Stout. Yes. Mm-hmm. They had to turn themselves had to turn themselves in for marijuana possession. Mm-hmm. Um, he told me that um, before they went to turn to the jail to turn themselves in, that they went to see the girls, and okay. I'm sure Randall wanted to see Vicky and you know Randy. It was his house. Um. So I'm not sure where he saw him, but this is and that's why this is why I know that it still affects him. Yeah. Um, so he, they did see them that day, though. You think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. He said that morning before they went to turn themselves in. Okay. They saw the girls, and he said she told me she was pregnant. So that's probably where that rumor started because I told David that he had told me that. Okay. Um. And he said, I remember it plainly. She put her little face down in the window and said, I'm pregnant. And the way he said that made me know that, you know, it's still hard for him. But um, he said after after they got out of jail, he and Randy spent weeks going around. He said, I'm saying sticking gun barrels in people's mouths, asking them, what do you know? What do you know? And nobody would tell them anything. So, yeah, I kind of feel like that all of it may have had an effect on on his um, outcome. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Well, I mean, I am sorry, but I'm more sorry that something wasn't done to find out what happened what truly happened who did this and I'll tell you although my brother was in jail I'm thankful for it otherwise I would be very fearful that it would be pinned on him in some way it seems like the boyfriend or whatever is always the the one that they look to so I'm thankful that Randall was Mm -hmm. it was impossible for him to be a suspect yeah he also said that the girls had told them that they would come visit at the jail that evening, uh-huh. and um, they did not. He said, we waited and waited and didn't know why they didn't show up. And they didn't show up. How long were they in the in jail? Were they just there for the day? I don't know that. I don't recall that. And I, I feel like they were there for more than a day. But I don't know because, again, it, my par- I was 13. My parents aren't going to tell me all mm-hmm. that kind mm-hmm. of stuff that was going on. Do you feel like if we, if there was some kind of justice um, made for uh, Carla and Vicky that you could somehow reach um, Ricky and, and help him, you know, find some kind of peace? 
I would certainly try to. I just, you know, I don't really know. I don't know where to start, really, but I would mm-hmm. try, you know, because I would love for him to know um, about the pregnancy rumor. Mm-hmm. Um, in the medical, you're going. Are you going to try and confirm that with a medical examiner's report, or you? I would you like have? to do that. Um, yeah. I, I want to firsthand um, confirm it. Mm-hmm. I've heard that. I have heard that it's not in that report, but okay. I want to confirm that mm-hmm. um, because there are some like very mixed opinions about this medical examiner. He himself is a story in itself. Ah, <laughs> well, that that sounds about right for the rest of this, you know. Yeah. Questionable people, all in high high this, places. This medical examiner is quite the story himself. So that's why I think it's important to know you know, that this is why you're, you know, she told your brother and then your yes. brother tells you this. And then if it is or isn't in this report, I think is an important piece to this. Well, he told me that when I spoke with him on the phone um, and that was the first I had ever heard it. He had never told me. Mm-hmm. I don't think he had told any of our family. Um, but that was the first I had heard about it. So I think that. Also, you know, that had an effect on him. Not only did he lose Vicky, but he knew that she she was pregnant, or at least that's what he she had told him. Did he tell you this, like, much later on? He told me this whenever we spoke in 2013. Okay. Yeah. So he held on to that, like, at that time, yeah. like, wondering whether she was or wasn't or... That's what I'm thinking mm-hmm. is, you know, because, and, and I, you know, maybe he's talked with his friends, and other, but to my knowledge, I had never heard it, and I don't think my mom had ever heard it. Okay, so we know that Randy and Randall and another fellow, Bobby Morgan, were going to the court to turn themselves in that day. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to do a little bit of understanding of why they were going there. Um, so we did a little digging. So it turns out that Randy and Randall and Bobby, um, previously, before that September 17th, um, which it was actually on July 28th, um, according to one of the court documents, they drove out to a rural area um, and bought some pot off of somebody out there. And after they left um, and they had the pot in possession, they were pulled over by the police. Right after, correct? Yeah, right after. I mean, to the point where I think there was questions on whether it was a setup um, and that they were meant to get get busted that day. Um, So anyway, their court date was then appointed as September 17th. Um, so they needed to show up to court that day and were prepared to stay in jail. Um, so that was Randy and Randall and Bobby Morgan. And we also have um, a document that shows that they showed up at the court and they signed in at 10.30 a.m. Um, and it shows that all of the boys um, were released, um, according to this document, 
on either two of them were released on the 24th of September and one was released on the 25th of September. Yeah, the ledger's a little funny. It shows like um, some dates were scribbled over and marked over, some in dark ink, some in light ink. So it's a little um, questionable of whether or not this has been, you know, doctored since the the actual days. Right. So Mm -hmm. I guess that's still to be determined, right? Yeah. But according to the documents, they were in jail that day and they were not released until, what is that, like almost, you know, a week later. Earlier, we heard from Randall Riggins' sister, Leslie. She told us what Randall told her happened that September morning. Next, you will hear a conversation we had with Carla and Vicky's brother, Randy Stout. He tells us more about the day that he and the boys were arrested and how he remembers the last day he saw his sisters alive. So, so quick question on that. Since you guys were at the courthouse that day, we were relatively under the assumption that you guys all spent the night and maybe several nights in jail. So was that the case or were you or Randall or Bobby able to get out um, later on that day? No, they didn't go to jail. Randy went to jail. Just you? Yes, I went to jail. I was like I told you a while ago. I was set up to get me out of the way. I didn't know that this was going to happen, but that's what the, uh, I didn't know at the time, but we was at the dairy dip behind the Dover, in Dover, behind the dairy dip is where we lived. I'm sure you people heard that, right? Yeah. That's where we always was. And we always drank the beer here and there. And Randall Riggins, Bobby Morgan, and the Browns, it was either a 78, 79, my memory ain't that good anymore, but it's a 78, 79, four-door, dark brown with a light brown bottle top, LTD Ford. I rode in it many, many times. But Randall Riggins like more said, Randy, let's go get some more beer. We're out. And we done it every weekend. I didn't think nothing about it. You know, the big four-door LTDs that... And 7879 has the full seat all the way across the front. I'm telling you word to word exactly what happened. I, and so they said, let's go get some beer. We're out. We get in the car. Randall Riggins is driving because it's his car. I'm in the middle. Bobby Morgan on the patch side. We shoot up, start going up towards Bumpus Mills. And I didn't say nothing. I thought, man. To myself, why are we going to George Bumpus Mills to get beer? And it was done dark. I'd never, I've, I've run all them old roads, country roads, grew up on them. But I never did go through in Bumpus Mills that much. So we go through, I didn't know where I was. And I thought again, where are we going? But I still didn't say nothing. Them two never open her mouth, said a word or anything, all of a sudden he cuts off of a road. And you wouldn't even think it was a road. It wasn't. 
It was a dirt. All you could see it was it was weeds, grass, and and brush, woods, growed up. The the grass and weeds was as high. They was ten, twelve, fourteen foot high, and when you cut off the road, all you could see was two dirt tracks where your four tires went, and real, real narrow. And he cuts down it, and I thought, where are we going? I done, you know, I thought, man, I'd, if I had to walk out of here by myself, I'd never get out. I, I at South Park, I don't know. He went, they still, nobody had said a word. And he goes five, six miles down that dirt road. And before you could blink your eye, you pull, pull up right in the front door. And I could tell because I built homes all my life. You pull right in the front door. It was like a, a 69, 70 model old one-bedroom trailer. No vehicle there at all. And, I mean, you just pull up on it. It's sitting in this. Weeds all in, no underpinning around him. I think it was. I'm I'm not positive. I think it was like brown and white trailer. You pull. He pulls right in front of it. Randall Riggins and he puts it up in park. Never shuts it off. Nobody still says a word. Bobby Morgan gets out and I'm I'm watching then because I don't. I'm really thinking what's going on. And he did. He walks up on the porch, never knocks, nothing. Opens the door and goes straight in. I thought, hmm. I don't know who was in there. I've wondered it all these years, but he stayed in there, Bobby Morgan, maybe three to four minutes. He come out, had a quarter pound, quarter pounder freezer bag. I don't know how much marijuana was in it. I have no idea. I know it was a lot. And he had come out with it wide open in his hands, had it rolled up, you know. And like I said, I was sitting in the middle where the console goes over the hump in the floorboard in LTD that year. And when Bobby Morgan gets in, he sticks that bag of weed under the console in the floorboard right behind my leg. I didn't, I thought, well, I guess he's putting, just putting it there till we get back to the dairy dip in Dover. Didn't think nothing about it, and I forgot to mention it first. It had been raining as hard as I've ever seen it rain for like 30, 32, three days straight. Raindrops as big as golf balls. It was still raining. All right, we keep coming back through Bumpus Mills. Bumpus Mills is all. It's out in the country woods, little skinny, narrow, hilly, curvy roads. So when you start back towards Dover, you come to a spot and on the highway where you go down a hill and you go through a little dip and back up a hill. Well, we boom, start down that hill. Soon as we did, I looked over to the left. There's that uh, Sterrett County Dover uh, police car had two police officers in it. And I thought, oh, man. And then I really got to thinking. Randall Riggins and Bobby Morgan still never said a word. So we eased by them. We get almost to the top of the hill. They come out, throw the lights on us. 
they pulled over. They still didn't say nothing. I'm thinking by then, they, I'm sure they remember going and getting this. They act like it's legal or something. They never said nothing. That got me wondering more. So they pulled, Randall Riggins just pulled over to the side of the road in the black wall. And one cop come up to the driver's side, one come to the passenger side. Opened up the, are you still there? Yep, we're here. Okay, my sister was vaping in, but the, I don't have good service here. One of my little baby brothers, but I'm sorry. I just wanted to make sure you're still there. Yeah, we're here. So one police officer, and I know I don't remember who they was, but I know that's Dover because I lived there. But that's I don't remember the cop's name. Anyway, one come to driver's side, one come to the passenger side. Like I said, Randall Riggins driving. I'm in the middle. Bobby Morgan on the passenger side. They both opened the door, told Randall Riggins to get out. He got out, stood there. The other one told Bobby Morgan to get out. He got out, stood there. As soon as Bobby Morgan stood up, the one on the passenger side put his knee in the seat, bent down, wrecked right behind my legs. He knew where it was. He pulled it out, and he didn't even... Moved when he pulled it out. He stayed bent over in the seat, looked me dead in the eye, said, You're under arrest for possession of marijuana with a contempt of resale. Carried me to jail, locked me up, and let them two go wherever they went. I don't know. So, Randy, I have a quick question. So, you got arrested that day that you guys got pulled over. I think that was might have been in July. So, how long did you stay in jail then? Because then you were rearrested or you had to re, you had to. Turn yourself back in on September 17th. So how long right. were you going to go by yourself? Uh, probably three weeks. Okay, so three weeks. And so then on on um, on September 17th, they came to pick you up, right? Randall came to pick you up, yep. correct? You want yep. to tell us about that day? So that's the day the girls went missing. You want to tell us about that morning? Yep. I mean... Carl and Dicky, they knew I was going to go to jail. They knew just as good as I did because I told them. I mean, like I said, they're like my children. I mean, and I've, I blame myself all these years because if I'd have been there, it wouldn't have happened. You know, because I've had the law and I know myself, I don't need nobody to tell me. That's why they set me up. I know they couldn't do it with me out free. And I got out of the shower, and you know, you can tell if somebody's looking at you. And Carl and Vicky, I come in, I come out of the bathroom, into the hallway, and I turned around, both of them standing side beside each other, looking at me, crying. And I thought they was crying. I don't know. Only them two and God, but I know that's why they was crying. I knew them better than anybody in the world. Why did you think they were crying? Because they, they thought I was going to jail. I looked at them. They was both crying, standing side beside each other. Like I said, I thought they was crying because they knew I was going to jail. 
I said, y'all don't cry. I said, I'll be all right. I'll be back home. And I said, we love you, Randy. Bye. That was the last words I heard from him. I forget how much time they give me to serve. And I was sitting there when they, they get hit. You don't need more here, mate. I heard him, seen him. I, I heard the keys, and I was looking at the bars at the door. Well, he opened the let's put you in or out, and he stuck the keys in the door. It was him, David Hicks, and four cops in uniform behind him because he knew he had needed him. And he opened up the door, probably two foot, and said, Randy, come here a minute. I know right then. Didn't nobody have to tell me God already did. And I walked up. He said, pointed down the hallway. Said, Randy, let's go down there in my office. I need to talk to you. If I was going first, him behind me, David Hicks, the four cops behind him. We go in his office at the end of the hallway. We all get in there. He says, Randy... We found your sister's bodies. They'd been murdered, and I went nuts. I tore that office all apart. You were still in jail, right, when they when they found the yes. bodies? Yes, that's what I was telling you earlier. Next time on Murder at Land Between the Lakes. You can do what you want and get away with it. You can literally well, get away with murder. Literally. Yeah.